Well, good morning, Open Door Fellowship Church. It's Caleb. Excited to be with you. We're doing it. We're here for another Sunday. And uh, as always, what an incredible honor for me and a privilege to get to crack open the Word of God and be with all of you. Again, we know this is not how we wished this season would go or how we would hope that church would be, but I am, as always, still so thankful that we have this technology and we still have a way to assemble and connect together on a Sunday morning in the year of our Lord, Jesus Christ. So I'm excited to be here. Um, Lisa, thank you. Lisa Poppin, thanks for that beautiful prayer at the start. What a blessing. Um, Families, I do hope you know we're praying for you in this season of schooling and some of you are choosing to homeschool for the first time, a bunch of craziness. So I, I hear you, I get it. We're, we're going through the same thing right now. So just know we are praying for you. And I hope you know, all of you, that, that we pray for you often. Um, as a staff, we gather every single morning that we, that we meet in the office and we, we open up the Word of God together and then we just pray. We pray for this church, we pray for you guys, we pray for each other. So I hope you know you're in our prayers daily. Um, and one, one thing I want to share with you is this, um, this coming Sunday, this next Sunday, uh, many of us from the leadership of Open Door, elders and staff and some deacons, we are going to travel up north and we are going to spend a day in prayer. And we're committing to um, call on the name of the Lord. And the reason we're doing it is um, we, we don't have a plan for this COVID time. And so we want to lean into him. We want to trust him. We want to let him lead us uh, into what's next for us. And so um, we don't know another way to do it other than to, to gather and to pray, and so we want to invite you into that as well. Um, there'll be more information coming out about that, but that'll be this next Sunday. We're going we're gonna to lean in tight and uh, go in after the Lord and, and see what he has for us, so uh, be praying for us in that. Um, we're, still, we're still in the pandemic, still living that pandemic life, and i got to be honest with you, um, we just started getting busy because of school, and I'll tell you this, um, one of the most uh, offensive things to me right now <laughs> is being double booked. I have gone like five months now without being double booked, and for, for this, this guy right here, introvert, little, uh, little self-absorbed, maybe I'm not self-absorbed, I'm, I'm a nice guy, but... The truth is, um, I, I don't think I've been double booked in months now, and if I was going to be double booked, I had a really nice excuse. I could just say the words COVID and people left me alone. So um, right now we've got school. My wife's a teacher. Um, I'm, I'm working full-time here at the church, and my kids are now going to be online, and so we are, we're stressing out a little bit, but I um, want to tell you that this COVID actually in some ways, because of that, has been good because I've, I, uh, I'm a bit of an introvert. I like being kind of a bit of a homebody. Um, so it hasn't been all bad, but I will tell you that one of the, one of the major struggles um, that I have felt in myself during this time is this feeling of being uh, stuck. This feeling of being stuck. Um, I, don't, I don't know about, about you, and, and I'll get more into it, um, but I find that in this time, in this season, uh, it feels like I don't have the freedoms maybe I once had. It feels like um, feels like it's difficult to do relationship in this season. It feels like every time I pull up my social media accounts, um, I see 
those I love in disagreement with each other. It just is this period of stuck. And so um, it feels like no, no matter the words I say, the convictions I hold, the people I associate with, the events I attend, the social media accounts I follow, the movements I repost, the church I attend, the books I read, the sermons I teach, inevitably, it feels like to me, not, not every time, I don't, I don't want to be too overdramatic with this, but it feels like for me, regardless of my position, regardless of my beliefs, regardless of what I say, it feels like there's these two opposing forces that both of them seem to disagree with what I'm saying. I'll give you an example of what I mean. This is a true story. Uh, a month or so back, I taught a message from this church, and that week in my mailbox, I received two letters. One letter was from a family saying, thank you, we really appreciated it. It meant a lot to us, it ministered to us, in fact, it really changed our perspective. That same day in the mailbox, responding to the same exact message, was, it was a letter with great concern. Great concern for what I had taught, great concern for what I stood with, great concern for what I said. Same message, two different responses in my mailbox. And the truth is, it's interesting, those two different individuals, those two different families might not actually agree with themselves, and I happen to be somewhere stuck what seems like in the middle. Is that making sense, what I'm saying? Um, I'll give you a couple other thoughts. Um, and let, let, me, let me pause before I move on. Those letters, actually, both of them really ministered to me. I, I took both of them to heart. I hope, I, I hope you know that um, I do read your emails when you send them. I do, as best I can, reply to all of them. And I do take all of them to heart. Even, even the emails that um, the majority of the email is concerns or frustration or confusion, oftentimes many of those emails really do minister to me, shape me, convict me of things that maybe I wasn't convicted of. So I appreciate them, um, and I hope you know that I do not take any of them lightly. Um, I consider both your concerns and your affirmation, and I take them to heart um, all the time. So I hope you know that. And that was the case for these two. Um, some of the things I run into, and I just use these as an example to kind of paint a picture of what I hope this series helps us with a bit, but, but for the church at large in America, for the church at large in America, um, one of the things I've heard is if, you, uh, if, if, we, if we close our doors to the church, some would say, that it's unbiblical. Um, things like, like you, you can't, if you're not physically assembling on a Sunday morning in a church building, it's unbiblical. While others would say it is the most loving and compassionate Christ-centered action to keep your closed doors during this pandemic. And I've received both of those emails. I've heard um, you should not have to wear masks. If you really believe God is sovereign and has our days numbered, then asking people to wear a mask is not a very godly position. I've also had people say or hear, having people wear a mask shows them how much you care about them, and remember, we are called to love only that command we are now underneath. 
kind of stuck in the middle. Many say promoting the fight against racism and lifting the oppression, those who are oppressed, and standing with equality for the colored people associates you with organizations that are anti-patriotic and anti-biblical. While others are saying it is the most Christ-like action one could take and that it promotes the original ideals of our country. Feels like we're maybe stuck in the middle. I don't know. I've heard and I've had conversations with friends that say, well, we would probably attend your church, but it's far too progressive and liberal for me. And then I've had um, some other friends say, I, I, uh, gosh, we would probably, we'd probably actually come to your church, but it's way too traditional and conservative. Same church. These are not perfect examples. These are not all-inclusive examples. These are, these are not even meant to, to confuse or to frustrate. I'm not giving you my position on any of these. What I am more trying to paint a picture of is a time and a season of life that we are living in that is extremely polarizing. And oftentimes, I feel like I am somewhere caught in the middle. Do you, do you feel that tension? Do you, do you, are, you, are you like me? Are you living in that tension? I get this question asked a lot. Um, is open door, dot, 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 but here's the one I'll give you, is Open Door a conservative or a liberal church? Is Open Door a progressive or a traditional church? What, what kind of church is Open Door Fellowship? And I get it asked in a lot of different ways, and here's the response I often say. I say we are neither. Conservative and liberal, progressive and traditional are not systems we would like to be classified under. We are about Jesus and the power and freedom found in his name. We are conservative in our approach to holding Scripture as authentic, authoritative, and truth. And we're also liberal in our freedoms found in the cross that frees us of moral or legalistic systems. To many, we'd be categorized as conservative, and many, we'd be categorized as liberal. We're neither. We just follow Jesus. We're the third way. We're stuck in the middle. The point is not about me. The point is not about my position in a church or the emails I receive or, or any of that. The point is that for whatever reason, this time, this season of life, these last five months where people are able to sport, spend more time in front of a screen than they are out in relationship. I don't know the dynamics. I don't know exactly what is happening, but I am feeling this tension of being stuck. Are you with me on that? Do you feel that? The good news, uh, surprise, surprise, but I think the Bible has something to say about it. I know your pastor looking at the Bible again for his answers. I know, isn't he being closed-minded and singular focus? Uh, yeah, yeah. I believe the Bible has answers for this time, for this season, for this position of stuck in the middle. Let me say this real quick about the Bible. Um, if you are tuning in for the first time, you're tuning into a church that every single Sunday that we gather, that we assemble, we crack open the Word of God together. And we believe that on the pages of that book that it is the most clear representation of who God is and what He has done in humanity. And we believe that all of the pages of that book 
point to a man named Jesus Christ, and we believe in him there is life. We believe that, that he is the author of life, we believe that he is the finisher of life, and we believe that he died and rose again to give us life now here on earth and to give us life in eternity. And we put our trust in him and we lean into him and his book heavily. We believe that both of them are the very thing that saves lives. And so we trust in it, we lean in it, we move out in it, we rest in it. And so if, if, you, if you are tuning in and you, and you don't own a Bible, we would love, love, love to be able to give you one. Go on our website, find our phone number, find our email, reach out to us, go on social media and, and direct message us. We would love to hook you up with a Bible if you don't own one. Okay, so stuck in the middle. What do I mean? Let me, let me define the middle for a second. It's the place where your convictions, your beliefs, your opinions, your passions, your ideals, your freedoms seem to not only uh, seem to not allow you to move either way except for where you are currently. I want to propose something to you for your consideration. I believe being stuck in the middle might be the, very well the best place to be. I'll explain what I mean in a moment. I believe the best place to be is the middle because I believe it's the only place that is not motivated by fear, but it is motivated by trust. I will explain further. Let me tell you a couple of stories. So there's this guy named Abraham. He um, essentially is the father of the people of God. He's the father of Israel. He's the, he's the, he's the kind of the original OG, um, I don't know what you would call him, but he's, he's the original dude. And one day, God says to him, uh, Abraham, I want you to take your son up on a mountain and um, you're, you're going to sacrifice him. Seems like a really bizarre request from God, but, but that's the request. And so Abraham, sure enough, takes his son and they start hiking up a mountain together and... Um, they get towards the top of the mountain where, where this action is going to happen, and his boy says, hey, Dad, where's the, where's the thing that we're going to sacrifice? And if you remember, the words out of the mouth of Abraham are these words, my God will provide. My God will provide. You see, being stuck in the middle is, is, is not so much, um, let me say it this way, being stuck in the middle is a position it says, I know that there is movement outside of me. I know that there are these polarizing forces like, really, God? Sacrifice my son? Like, come on. I know that there are moving pieces out here, but I am centrally located because I know my God will provide. It's a position of trust, not one built on fear. I'll tell you another story. There's this guy named King David, and um, he, was, he, was, he was a big deal king. Um, and what happened was he didn't start out as a king. He started out as a little shepherd boy. And one day, uh, the, the guy shows up to his house who is going to announce or anoint the next king. And he comes to the house, and, and, it's, and it's Jesse's house, and the guy's named Samuel, and he's looking at all of Jesse's boys, and, um, and he's like, hey, do you got any other ones? These ones don't seem to be like the anointed next king. Jesse says, yeah, I got a boy out in the pasture. He's just a little shepherd boy, though. He goes, well, bring him in. So he brings him in, and it's David. And, and Samuel sees David, and he goes, yep, that's the guy. That's going to be the guy. And so he anoints his head with oil, and he sends him on his way. And David's a little guy at this time, 
and uh, some, some events take place, and now he is, is kind of in, in the courts with, with Saul, who is the current king, and he's hanging out with him, and Saul gets a little jealous, and he starts chasing after David to take his life out. Now David, um, really a remarkable thing about David, he held this tension of, I'm going to be king someday, and this tension of, I want to respect the king that is in office. Kind of stuck in the middle. And I don't know, I don't know when he wrote these words, but, but there's a psalm. And it goes like this. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear anything because I know you're with me. In the middle of this tension, David was stuck in the middle. He knew that regardless of the circumstance and the situation, being stuck in the middle prevented him from being in a position of fear. He's like, look, I know God's got this thing. I know he's with me. Remember, remember we just went through the book of Philippians, and Paul, remember what he said? He said this most interesting thing. He's talking about his mission in life and whatever, and he says you know, he's in prison. He potentially is, is going to be um, executed soon, and he goes, look, whether I die or whether I live, I'm going to be okay. You see, he, he's, he's stuck in the middle. He's not, he's not overly concerned with the outside moving pieces. He just goes, look, I, I know God is with me. I am good either way. The middle is this interesting spot. I find myself sometimes stuck in the middle, and, and I find that I don't like either of my other options. But the true middle, that true trusting place with God, that true rest that comes in him and under his name is more of a response, not I'm not happy with either of my options, but regardless of what options come my way, I'm going to be okay because he's with me. That's, that's the middle. Do you ever find yourself this way? I, Stay with me on this thought. I think oftentimes when we talk about this life in Christ, this, this Christian life, it feels like we're talking about a destination. What, what, I, what I mean by this is like um, this idea that we have not arrived yet. You know what I'm saying? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? And, and I, don't even, I don't even just paint that on, on Christianity. I, I can kind of paint that across the board. I want to tell you something. I believe this. I believe um, that Jesus Christ is the destination. That he is the destination. That you, with him, in him, through him, the spirit of God indwelling you, united with him, is the destination. I believe that. I can remember just recently I was watching the, the new TV show, The Chosen. I'm hooked. Just trust me. Go watch it. Enough said. But there's this scene in, in episode two. And uh, Mary Magdalene has just been, uh, Jesus has just healed her of some demons and, and set her free. And this Pharisee, Nicodemus, has gone up to her. 
And he said, tell me what happened. Who did this to you? Who, who helped you this way? And she's like, he's like, do you, know, do you know him? And her words are profound. She says, here's what I can tell you. I don't know him, but here's what I can tell you. I was one way, and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. And then she goes on and she says, so yes, to, it was to answer his question. She says, I do know him and I will know him for the rest of my life. She, you see, she's, she's caught in the middle. I don't, I don't know what that last season was about. I'm not even certain what my future is, but I know one thing. He was in the middle with me. Something changed the moment he showed up, and that's where I will be for the rest of my life. I'm going to be caught in the middle. I believe um, that a lot of what divides us or, or pulls us apart into different camps is this ongoing quest for a better destination. Most of these systems and ideals they come with the promise of completeness, of wholeness, of freedom, of wealth, of happiness, of equality. And they claim they're good news. They claim to promise hope for a better now and a better tomorrow. And there's persuasion. And it, and it, and it pulls you. Do, you. do you remember the, do you remember the book of Hebrews? There's a book in the Bible called Hebrews. It's, um, they're not certain who the author is always. Um, they, they've got some good guests on it. But it's this book, and it's written to these Hebrew people. And, and the, the overall premise is this thought. Um, these Hebrews have put their trust in Jesus Christ, and now they're being essentially like persecuted. They've got, they've got the Roman Empire on one side that is persecuting them, and they've, they've got the religious... Uh, law of the Pharisees on the other side that is persecuting them. And so they begin to panic because they're, they're caught in the middle. And uh, they, say, they start going back to their old patterns of religion because they go, at least maybe we won't have them mad at us. You see, they're caught in the middle. And the author, the author begins to beg and plea with them and saying, saying essentially this. He's saying, um, hmm. he's saying, life is not found in any system or ideal. It is found in the name that is above every name, and that name is Jesus Christ. And he's saying, don't, don't abandon ship. Stay in the middle. I, I know you're freaked out by these guys. I know you're freaked out by these guys. But there is one name that provides fullness of life, and it is Jesus Christ. Check this out in, in the book of James. I, I got a slide for this. This is James 1, 2 through 4. Look at what he says. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your, uh, your faith produces steadfastness. And let, ste and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. But listen, to what, listen to what's going on here. You've got to understand this. So James, he's the brother of Jesus Christ, and now he is in a time when he's writing this, he is pastoring the biggest church in Jerusalem, the Mecca 
of, of religious authority and Judaism, and he's pastoring a church, and he is absolutely, this church is absolutely, absolutely being persecuted. And he does it for 30 years, he pastors this church. And so he's writing these notes. This is like the opening lines of his book. He says, he says something that I actually don't, I, I, I kind of wish wasn't in the Bible because it, it's, it's tough, right? Like, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. What? Count it all joy? Actually, I am thankful this is in the Word of God because look at what he says. Look at what he says. He says, look, when the world around you is going bonkers, when the world around you, he's calling them trials, right? He says, when everything seems to be coming at you from both sides and you go, ah, he goes, look, stop, count it joy, and here's why. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Listen, this is, this is awesome what he's saying here. He's saying, look, when these things come, it makes really clear to you how strong your faith actually is because it's testing you. You're going, I'm being pulled this way. I'm being pulled this way. And he goes, look how strong your faith is. It's testing it, and look what it produces. Once you realize that your faith is strong enough in these seasons, look what it produces. It produces steadfastness, this perseverance to stay in the middle. And, and then look what he says. He says, now let that steadfastness have its full effect. Stay in it. Stay in the middle, and you'll be content. You'll be complete. You'll go, I, I'm good right here. I got what I need. I'm good right here. In the midst of moving pieces happening around you, things wanting to pull you this way, things wanting to pull you that way, this political movement, that political movement, this person frustrated with you, that person frustrated with you saying, stop, hold on a second. Be convinced that your faith is strong enough. And I guarantee you this faith is going to produce in you some steadfastness during this season. And just stay in it. Let it take its full effect. And you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. That's where the joy comes out. Isn't that cool what he's saying there? He's teaching to a church that is really struggling. Here's, here's something to remember. Here's the real good news. That by the name of Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit, you are already complete. You are already free. You are already whole. The finished work has already taken place for you. You have already arrived at your destination in Him. And He has already given you a better way. There is not an alternative path out there that will be more fulfilling or sustaining or promise something that will be superior to what He offers you. You know, Jesus had a prayer request. For, for us. Do you guys know that? John uh, 17. Um, he's, he's right at the end of his life, Jesus' life, he, and, and hours later he will be uh, arrested and then put on trial and then hang on a cross. And, and right before this, he, he prays this prayer. This is in John 17. Um, this is his prayer. Initially, he's praying for his disciples, and then he starts praying for us. Listen, listen to what he says. This is in number, this is verse 11. I'm no longer in the world, 
but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name. Keep them in the middle, which you have given to me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in the middle, which you had given to me. And then he goes on and he goes, this is in verse 20, he says, I I do not ask for these only, he's talking about the disciples, but I also ask for those who will believe in me through the disciples' words, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in the middle. Why? So that the world may believe that you've sent me. So maybe, maybe, maybe I'll say this even to myself, but I'll say it to you as well. Maybe, maybe you're not as stuck as you think you are if you're in the middle. Especially if that middle has something to do with Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe the middle is actually the very conduit for unity. Maybe it takes those of us within the middle that have been grounded and set free by the love of Jesus Christ, that confidence that we saw in Abraham and David and Paul, that they're like, look, I I know my God has got me, and I'm going to stay right here in the middle. Maybe, Maybe those of us who have been transformed by the grace of God, who have been set free, who are living in peace under the umbrella of the love of God, maybe, maybe we're right where we need to be. Maybe we are the healthiest place for people who are stuck out here and stuck out here. Maybe, maybe we get to say, come right in here, come join us. In the middle there is hope and peace and rest and freedom right here. I think there's something in it with what Jesus is saying. He says, he's praying to God. He says, will you keep them in the middle? Will you protect them from getting thrown about from side to side? Will you keep them right here in our name? And, and, and uh, there's a purpose in it, right? He says, so that the world may know that you sent me so that the world may know that Jesus Christ is Lord, so that the world may know that hope is found in his name alone, so that the world may know that he is the one who promises freedom and hope and life. It's about that, it's about that middle where people go, something, something a little different about that guy. He seems stuck, but he... He's like stuck in this place of peace and rest and hope so that the world may know. What what a gift, my friends. What a gift that Jesus Christ, you know, he actually showed up in the middle, right? Like in the middle of all the mess, he showed up. I wonder, like, like he also hung from a cross in the middle. Like there was a guy on one side that was all about him. There was a guy on the other side that didn't want anything to do with him. I wonder if he knows a bit about the middle. 
And, um, you know, we gather here every Sunday because, and we take communion together, and we, and we, and we read from this word, and we celebrate this, this guy named Jesus who we believe is God. We do this because we believe that moment he hung on the cross was enough. We believe that that moment he rose from the grave was enough. We believe that we are safe being found in him alone right in the middle. No matter what else, we believe that it is finished. We believe that it has been accomplished. We believe that he wins. And the chaos of darkness around us does not win. And so we rest in that. We move out in that. We live in that hope and freedom. And so as we take this communion today, may you rest well knowing that you are caught in the middle. Because caught in the middle is maybe one of the best places to be. Let me pray for us, and I hope you have a great rest of your morning. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your work on the cross. We thank you for the new life that you breathed into our bones through your resurrection. We take this juice and we take this bread in remembrance of you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you guys have a great Sunday. We'll see you later. Bye.